So the wonderful thing about Sunday is we get to meet together face-to-face and hear the word of the Lord. And there should be great respect in the heart of every person who has the opportunity to come and gather together to hear to hear God. And certainly we have put ourselves in a place in faithfulness for God to speak to us his word. And that's that's a very important thing. And so uh, this morning, turn with me to the book of Colossians if you want to. I'm going to say you don't need to. I'm, I would prefer that you just listen. And then afterwards, you can go back and read it in, in the book if you want to. Because a lot of it's just going to be ad- ad-libbed for you anyway. I'm not going to spend a lot of time reading scripture. But the importance of what's being said, I believe, is why we're here. And so it's important if Jesus has called us in in first John chapter three, what does what did Jesus has Jesus proclaimed that we are that we are the sons of God, but we that we should be called the sons of God. Let's just leave it at that. I'm not going to fight with that one anymore that we should be called the sons of God. So if we are sons, then what are we one to another? We are brothers. Are we Jesus's brothers? The answer to the question is, yes, we are Jesus's brothers. We are sons of God. And when you first think about that, it's rather alarming to the mind, isn't it? I remember Connie reading it in one of Dan's writings that we are Jesus' brother. And Connie goes, We're not that that's just not right. That just doesn't seem right. But it is right. It's designed of God to be right. Did Jesus himself say that it in his, to him it was not robbery to be made equal with God? And so, in the design of God for us, has God made it that we should be sons to God, brothers to Jesus, and brothers to one another? And the answer is yes. That's how we form the body of Christ. That's why governments become so important to each and every one of us, and it's why the body is set in order by the Word of God for us to function in in absolute power, And when we find our place in the body of Christ, that absolute power that is the authority of God begins to be made known or revealed in us. Now, you think about that for just a moment because that takes the lid off a lot of things in the mind when it comes to hearing the Word of God. So let me ask you this. Does the Bible say that Jesus, the Son of God, created all things and through Him all things consist? And the answer to that question is, of course, yes. And we can find it in the scripture in several places. So if Jesus, who came out of the Father, was made all things in the mind of the Father, and through Jesus, the Word of God, God created everything, then how about you? What about you? So from the beginning, how God ascribed his authority and power in you was it the same word of God? And the answer to that is yes. In the beginning, this is the part that we have as as believers in Jesus Christ. There's so many things that we have locked out of our minds because we, we say to ourselves that there's no possible way that I am the same as Jesus. How many have said that to themselves? 
We all have. But in truth, in reality, God says that you are. He has called you His Son. Jesus Christ being the firstborn of all brethren. But likewise, then, if Jesus is the Son of God, and through Jesus Christ we receive the adoption of sons, then the inheritance that Jesus received from the Father, is it not the same inheritance that we receive in Jesus Christ? And the answer is yes, it is. I would provoke you, if it's different, if you think it's different for a son than it is for Jesus, show me in the Scriptures where it says it's different, it's not the same, and it's not possible. So I say that to say this, is that we have removed ourselves from uh, what God hath ordained for us because we just don't believe that it's possible that God's design for us as sons is equal to himself. Yet in the beginning, God made man in his own image. Everything that God is, God prescribed man to be. Our, in our mind, though, we look at men in the flesh and we see how weak and how stubborn and how uh, impossible, impossible it would be for us to be framed in the mind of God. That's how we see ourselves. Because we see ourselves through the flesh. And we judge ourselves according to the flesh. So I'm going to begin to provoke you, and I mean provoke you continuously, around how God perceives you from his throne. So that we're going to learn as we go, and I'm going to learn it right along with you, that we're going to learn how to see everything as God sees it, from the mindset of the throne of God, and not from the mindset of flesh in the earth. Now, is that possible for us to get there? And I'm going to tell you the answer is yes. That's the possibility of believing in Jesus Christ. Because where is Jesus today? Is Jesus in the earth or is Jesus on the throne of God? I can tell you for a matter of fact, if you turn to the third chapter of the book of Revelation, I know where Jesus is. He went back into the Father to sit on the throne. Let's just go back and read it for just a moment. Okay, I'm going to start reading with verse 19. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Now, if God loves you, if Jesus loves you, is he going to reprove and discipline you? Why is that? Who are we? We are sons. I know that in order to conform my three sons that I raised in the earth, one thing I had to do to my three sons in the earth was reprove them and discipline them in order to conform them into men. I knew that that was my job. And I would say that the format or the observation of that, this is where Connie and I had to have a heart-to-heart -heart talk at one point in our marriage because my wife thought I was being uh, over, overly zealous uh, to train my sons to be men. 
And she goes, you're too hard on them. I said, okay, let's have a conversation. I said, I know what I lacked in coming into manhood. God showed it to me. I lacked discipline. I lacked structure. And so there were many things I had to deal with in and of myself that I shouldn't have had to deal with if I would have had discipline and structure. I said, I believe God's right. I said, and you cannot reprove me or you cannot, I don't, that's not the right word. You have to back me up 100% in what we're going to do to raise our children to be men. 100% you have to back me up. And she did. She said, you're right. Because if we're not on the same page as parents, our children are going to have divided minds and they're going to, they're going to not, they're going to think differently. So I'm, I'm glad I had took her aside and we had the conversation and we, we talked it out extremely well. And we began to be together on the same page when it came to raising our children. And it has paid big benefits for them. And I'm not going to say it, we were perfect in it by any means. But I will say this, that God knows how to raise you. He knows how to reprove you and he knows how to discipline you. And how many of us are beginning to realize that we do not know how to discipline ourselves? especially when it comes to God conforming us into his image, correct? To where we lose the mind of the flesh and we take on the mind of the spirit. We said in the beginning this morning that who knows the mind of God? Only God. Paul asked that question, uh, Paul asked it this way two or three different times in, in his writings in the epistles. Who, who can ascend into heaven and teach God? And you sit there and you read that question and you're like, well, you know, that's a, that's a formidable question to ask. So why would the apostle frame the question and then ask it? Because he knows the answer, right? Because, listen, we have all been in a mindset where we think that we can tell God something. Every one of us. There's not one of us that hasn't been in a place where we came into some thought and we thought we could tell God something even in our prayers right a lot of times in praying we think we know our need and so we want to tell god what our need is yet the bible says what what does the word say the word says that god knows what we have need of even before we ask yet we think we can frame it differently or more importantly regarding the flesh and god needs to hear it that's how we think Yet, if we'll put ourselves in the place where we know that God is God and we know that Jesus Christ is the firstborn Son of God and through Jesus Christ, the Word of God, God framed and formed everything, including you, how much more ready are we to hear when God speaks? So, you've heard it said before that you are a Word in the Father. How many have heard that before? I think everyone here and online has heard that phrase before. I am a word from the beginning in the mind of the Father. So my life here, God is now 
set me in a place to where I can be brought into the remembrance and be reminded of the word that God spoke in me from the beginning. Now, that's an amazing thing. The thing that I'm always provoked in is that I can't go find out that word on my own. It's impossible. I'll never forget when uh, coming into Living Fellowship and coming from another organization and coming in and being set forth. I'll never forget sitting contemplating some things because the first thing you want to do that, that you say to yourself, well, this message has got to get out because it's, it's really profound, right? Just like anytime you come into a new organization and you're, you're growing in the things of God and you, you're hearing truth for the first time. And, I mean, you want to get it out there. And, and as a lot of those thoughts were pouring through the, my mind, uh, the Lord shows up and the Lord says, do not pursue men. And you're like, it kind of takes the wind out of yourselves. But what is the Lord setting in what is he setting before you? What is he setting in order in your life? Who does he want you to hear? He wants you to, yes. And so that's the message that Dan brought to us this week is, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So what's first and foremost in the thought of every son? The kingdom. The kingdom. Let me read Revelation 3 some more. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door. So it's just not about hearing the voice. What must you do? You must respond by faith to hear the word of God. Open the door to Jesus Christ. I will come into him. What's the... What's the mystery that we are, that is in first chapter of, of Colossians? What's the mystery? The mystery that is wanting to be revealed is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you think that there is an order into everything that God says every time we meet together? I believe there is. Every time there's an order to it. And every time it's permitted of God, for you to hear the order, to come into the things that is being said, and for you to be reminded of, first and foremost, the kingdom of God. First and foremost. So every time, if we were going to go back in the, into the Gospels, where Jesus begins to call forth his twelve, correct? When Jesus would begin to teach those twelve... What was he teaching them about? Was he teaching about how to live a better life in the earth? Or was he teaching them how to live in heaven? You can answer that, please. You, he was teaching them how to live in heaven. He was showing them. Man, it, do you think it... Uh, well, we can hear it several times where it began to be a snare, a stumbling block in their minds. Because what were they full of? What did they do every day before the to get their day started? What did they do back then? Does anybody remember? They went to the synagogue to hear the reading of the scripture every day. Not not just on Sunday, not just on Wednesday. Every day they went to hear the reading 
of the scripture every day. Now that's a mindset, isn't it, John? So they would get up in the morning, get ready to go fishing, because only four of them that I know of are fishermen, get ready to go fishing, go to the synagogue, the temple, hear the reading of the scripture, talk about it, and then go to their vocation, whatever it was. That's how they started every day. Can you imagine today if we all had a frame of mind where we're going to get up, we're going to get ready for the day, we're going to go to the temple, we're going to sit in the readings of the Scripture, of the Word of God, we're going to hear the, the Master Teacher teach us of what it's saying, and then we're going to go do our jobs. So when Jesus came and He began to teach them how to live in heaven, now he's, this is what's happening, is that for so long they perceived it as one way. Remember when Jesus came, the, the first thing they wanted Him to do was what? They knew because the Scripture said, when the Messiah comes, He's going to restore Israel. He's going to restore the kingdom to Israel. And in their minds, they believed that that kingdom was in the earth and that being under the throes of bondage in the first, the Egyptian Empire, and then the Babylonian Empire, and then the Grecian Empire, and then the Roman Empire, they're always enslaved to something. Not understanding that their mind was enslaved sin in the earth and so jesus came and he was presenting to them a gospel that's going to separate them from the bondage of the earth and put them into the kingdom of heaven where they'll now they will live in kingdom places in heavenly places in christ jesus and be free from the earth forevermore and they're they're like when they first begin to hear it they're like what what's this guy talking about What's really he saying? What's he describing to us? So even when we come together to hear it and we have a mind that's filled with the earth, right? We have been taught all of our lives that if I live for Jesus Christ, then nothing will be kept from me. I'll, I can ask for new cars, I'll get it. I can ask for a bigger house, I'll get it. I can ask for this, I can ask for that. That was all a lie. We all discovered that really fast. Amen. But then we begin to ask for things that are hidden from us. And we only can see it from a mind that's been embedded in a word that's in the earth and not free in truth from the kingdom of heaven. There's a big separation that begins to take place in it. So if it's in the earth, what is it? If it's a word of God in the earth, what is it? Is it a lie? Has the truth in heaven been changed into a lie to live in the earth? And the answer is yes. If it describes to you that which is out, it's a lie. If it is describes to you who are, who's in the earth, to go back, to let it take you back into the Father which is in heaven, what is it? It's truth. So now, not only are we seeing a separation come between the truth and the lie, between good and evil, but isn't the old man and the new man beginning to be separated by this Word of God? And the answer is yes. I mean, these are huge things, John. 
these are mind-shaking, mind-disturbing things that come from the mouth of God. And yet, as they begin to be believed and lived in and walked in in the light of the Word of God, what begins to happen to the mind? Does it become unsettled? Or does all of a sudden it begin to be settled and begin to know that Jesus is the Christ? For me, I can only testify. For me, it began to settle the mind. It began to make known that Jesus is the Christ and that where I have seen it in the earth is not right. I could never perfect the flesh. No matter how hard I tried, I could never perfect the flesh. But in heaven, what's already perfected? The Spirit. It's already perfect in heaven. Think about that. You know, we, we have a... We know that in water baptism, or in baptism, let me say it that way, John the Baptist, he came to baptize in the earth, did he not? So that the eyes would be open to see... Jesus. So in John's baptism, he said, there's one that comes after me who's mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to tie. He's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And even in saying that, did all Israel come out to be baptized of John? According to the scriptures, they did. They all came out to be baptized of John. But in hearing him talk about Jesus, they weren't sure about what this Jesus was really going to do for them. So when Jesus comes on the scene, John's taken away, right? John goes away. John says, I must decrease that he may increase. John goes away. Jesus comes on the scene. Jesus gets baptized of John. It's now Jesus the baptizer. Isn't that awesome? Jesus becomes the baptizer. And immediately Jesus begins to baptize them with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And yet they can't perceive it. But that's what he's doing immediately. Even the disciples are they, they know their heart burns because they're hearing the they're hearing the word of God differently than they've ever heard it before. They're still receiving it in the earth, but it's doing something, it's stirring something up in them that they've never felt in their life before. All of a sudden, the message of the kingdom of heaven is being stirred up in them. And they begin to look for something greater than themselves. Yet, how do they still see themselves? They still see themselves as sons in the earth. Because Jesus isn't done yet. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. He will what? Is he going to eat with you? Is he going to partake of the same word that he gives to you? Is he himself going to partake of it? And the answer is yes. The one who conquers. Wow. The one who conquers. I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. 
Now, what did, what did Jesus just tell a disciple? What did he just tell you? Did he not say to sanctify the Lord, eat with the Lord, sanctify the Lord, as he also sanctifies himself? John 17. I'll turn to it. John, the 17th chapter. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. So the meat that Jesus is offering us to eat in the kingdom, if we open the door and, he, and we partake with him, what are we going to partake of? The truth. So now is the truth in the earth or is it in heaven? It's in heaven. And as we partake of it, what do we begin to, part, what do we begin, begin to see? Is Jesus sitting on the throne of his Father? All of a sudden we begin to know that the sanctifying power of the Word of God that He had given to us to partake of, that He Himself has partaken of, it, has, it opens the mind, it opens the eyes to see in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus sitting on the throne, the same throne that His Father gave to Him. And who's He offering it to? He's offering it to us. So the truth is being revealed. It's being made known. Wow. So a lot of times when we, when we hear these things, we not, we're not equating them to from, from which they are given. So that the word that we receive from the Father through Jesus Christ, is it not the word that's in the Father as He reigns and sits on the throne? And the answer is yes, it is. That's the source of it. We've, heard it all, we've always heard it said that God is not after sin. What's He after? He's after the root of sin. In other words, he is after the devil that causes you to be deceived and keeps you from sitting on the throne of God. Do you think God's going to allow you to sit on his throne if you haven't allowed him to show you the devil that's in you? He, he, not going to happen. Because he himself has said flesh and blood cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the mind of the devil keeps you in flesh and blood, in the earth, always going outward, always looking outward at judgment, always doing, the, doing everything that Jesus said not to do. It keeps us doing it over and over and over again, keeping us in this cycling parable, which we know enslaves us to the things of the earth. Amazing. So, let me go back to Revelation. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne. As I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. So, did Jesus overcome the flesh? In every manner of likeness? In other words, was the devil put under his feet? And when he, when he went to the cross, did he take all sin, all death, and the devil and put them under his feet? And the answer is yes. That's what he did on the cross. You know what else he did on the cross, John? And we miss this a lot. Is that when he took sin, death, and the devil, to the cross. 
was the curtain that hung before the holiest of holies. What happened to it? It was rent in two. So what could happen? So you and I, in believing the Word of God through faith, could enter into the holiest of holies and see Jesus sitting on the throne of God with all authority and power. And now he is telling us that if we will believe the truth, if we will allow the truth to free our mind from the things of the bondages of the earth and take us into heavenly places in Christ Jesus, we will reign with him forever and ever. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's awesome, isn't it? So, this morning, you are sons of God. And as a son, you are hearing the word of God that begins to separate you from the lie in the earth that keeps your mind going outward to the truth from heaven, which is spirit that lifts you up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the truth is the spirit of truth is what comes to you to begin to show you the things that are above so that we don't get trapped in the earth anymore, John. So that our judgment doesn't go outward. Our judgment is now comes from above and it goes upward. We don't judge ourselves according to the flesh. We judge ourselves according to Jesus. We now begin to see ourselves as Jesus sees us, as a son, as a brother that was formed in us from the beginning and he comes to us with remembrance. It's awesome. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. Set your affection or set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears. So when does life begin in you? When does life begin in you? When Christ appears. That's amazing, isn't it? Life begins in you. When Christ appears. Then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Because I'll tell you this. When Christ appears to you, all those things that we were just going to read about, what's happened to them? They're under your feet. You now reign over them, knowing what they are and knowing that you have conquered them in Jesus Christ. So we have a great message. We have a message of salvation that's going to begin to restore and lift us up. We're not looking for a better life here on the earth. What are we looking for? We're looking for life 
in the kingdom of heaven. And let me tell you what, a life in the kingdom of heaven, what's it going to give you in this life here? It's going to give you a great life. Because what's manifest in heaven is now your mind. And so life here will just get greater because you'll have no desire for it. Because now your desire is in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What a great place to be this morning. Thank you for giving me the time to minister to you today. And I'm looking forward to what's coming in the truth of the Word of God that's going to continue to separate the old man in the earth from the new man that is in heaven and that will conquer and put under our feet sin, death, and the devil and lift us up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. God bless you this morning, and I hope to talk to you all soon.